Hey, welcome to the Broken Wings Podcast. Timothy B. here to, with you. And today, we're fortunate to have Victor with us. Um, Victor's a great guy. Uh, run into him at a lot of meetings. Um, and I'm going to let him tell, tell him about you. Victor, welcome. Hey, my name is Victor Smith. I'm a grateful and recovering alcoholic. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, well, let's, let's see. So, why don't we just start off with what, what, you know, briefly, what brought you into AA or NA, and, and, um, what keeps you coming back? Well, I would have to say, um, I'm one of those cases that was irritable and discontented, as the book says, mm-hmm. from the... The get-go, yeah. the rip, as you can say. Um, I've pretty much done everything alcoholically my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that includes drinking water, uh, <laughs> eating, uh, existing. Uh, I've been a, a prisoner of my emotions mm-hmm. most of my life. Um, didn't know how... To do things like other people, mm-hmm. always, you know, yeah. and then uh, I think it was at a very young age I started to drink and use, and you know, I think I was like one of those kids who used to bring his dad a beer and take a couple of sips before I got there, yeah, <laughs> kind of thing, yeah, and then you know i probably started smoking cigarettes before i was 10 mm-hmm. started smoking pot when i was 10 mm. wow. and was definitely drinking mm. here and there on the holidays around the family uh, as a teenager mm-hmm. and you know before i was even a preteen i was walking around the Christmas dinner table and having a few sips of wine while nobody was looking. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the thing about it was it all seemed normal to me. And like everyone says, when I was able to drink something and feel an effect of it, I felt freer, I felt more normal, I felt more relaxed. And everything was good. Yeah. So it kind of brought me to a life of it. And, you know, I was introduced to uh, a whole sorts of other chemicals. <laughs> so, yeah, we, yeah I, we don't have a signal on this of purpose. It's, as a high schooler yeah. and uh, touched on those and did a few chemical experiments here and there, which I'm sure weren't, you know the best mm-hmm. results uh, I think so what brought me here I guess it's more like what what it was like huh um that's yeah. where I'm going with it Any, um, anywhere you want to go with it I mean um so what it was like was that I mean you know every time I was able to catch a buzz I felt like I was mm. freeing myself mm from myself yeah I, you know what I kind of hear is like um, I feel like I was 
I had the behavior of an alcoholic before I ever drank. I was mm-hmm. an alcoholic waiting to get a drink. Oh yeah. You know, and then yeah, and then when that happened, then it was yeah. Yeah, that was it. That was definitely it. So, um, to, you know, move the story up a little bit, uh, you know, I think when I was 18, uh, I went into the, to the Navy. Oh, wow. And when I got to boot camp, they give you this personality test, mm-hmm. you know, and when we went there, I spent three days almost in the airport trying to get there. There was some huge uh, nor'easter winter storm that blew through. Okay. So we actually sat in Newark Airport because we had a, God forbid, the military spend some money to give you a plane ticket to Chicago. We spent some time in the Newark Airport waiting on a layover. And then when we finally got to Chicago, we sat in O'Hare for a little while trying to get to this place. So I think I was awake for about 24 or 32 hours, somewhere in there. And then they set you down and give you this personality test oh. when you get to boot camp. Okay. So, so you were extremely was, stressed out. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. What happened was I sat down and answered every single one of these questions, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what I mean? Which it didn't is, occur to me, hey, this is just a, a, a nut job question. This is what you're supposed to do. So me and about nine other recruits went to the recruit evaluation unit where you sit in front of a Navy shrink, and he says, whether you're good enough to go into boot camp and, and okay. serve your country. Uh-huh. And I was the only one out of nine people that went to back into the rest of them got sent home. But I was kind of pissed <coughs> off about it. Oh, because you were hoping to get out of it? Because uh, yeah. I, I kind of felt like I wanted to get out of it. Yeah. And it would have been a great opportunity for me to get out of it. Yeah. But I didn't. Um, I wanted to prove the other side wrong. Yeah. That I wasn't crazy and that I could do this shit. So I did it. I went through boot camp, got through, everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Well, when you go, I think I ended up going to California, San Diego, to A school. I was going to be a cook, a meth specialist. <laughs> yeah, well, they have every yeah, segment of the society. All, yeah. yeah, they have all kinds of jobs. Yeah. So uh, as I was going to school, I had been home for two weeks, and I was definitely smoking pot. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to really catch you, you know what I mean? I think they just kind of, it's kind of a random thing when they yeah. say they're random drug testing and stuff that... You know, this is, happens here, this happens there. A lot of things have to happen for it to really catch up with you. Yeah. But I went in there and told on myself because I wanted out of there. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get going. Yeah. It was a bad experience for me. Lo and behold, went to Captain's Mass for smoking marijuana because I popped positive on a drug test. I was waiting to get out. I popped positive on another drug test and they locked me up in the brig for 25 days. Oh, wow. It was a horrible experience. Oh, so when I get out of the brig, what did they do? They sent me to a meeting. Oh, wow. I was 18 years old. And that was your first experience? That was my first. I'd been to meetings with my brother before when I was a young teenager, but I didn't really listen. Mm-hmm. This time, I listened, but... I didn't really care. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything I was open to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you fast forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. About 
I did get kicked out of the Navy. A dishonorable discharge. No, it wasn't dishonorable. It was bad conduct discharge, but it wasn't great, but I don't think... They don't give you benefits yeah. and stuff now. No, so, I, don't yeah. get, I don't get shit. That sucks. Just gave me. A, they didn't even give me a plane ticket home. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> so anyway, fast forward a little bit. I've got married, had a baby, and had a career by the time I was 22. I became a plumber, mm-hmm. which was great. Yeah. Still a plumber. Yeah. Which yeah. is sort of great. Uh, for our listeners, I used to call him Mario because Mario, he, he definitely old, looks like a plumber. The old mustache. <laughs> uh, you ever so, eat mushroom, mushrooms and get bigger? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've had mushrooms and things got weird. I don't know about bigger. Yeah. Uh, so, fast forward a little bit. I have a family. And when I'm in the apprenticeship school for plumbing, you can't smoke weed. Okay, you know what I mean? They, they test, test you randomly. Yeah. So me having a career and having a family, I didn't really smoke pot anymore because yeah, it would have jeopardized my chances of being an apprentice and becoming a, a journeyman plumber uh-huh. and support my family. So I didn't do that. But I did drink a lot. Yeah. yeah. Just in case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I was drinking like alcoholically but I was a binge drinker and the attitudes I was accustomed to while drinking were definitely not healthy so you weren't drinking every day at that point no not every day just most days and I wasn't drinking to get drunk every day it was kind of more of a like everyone else like a relaxing thing like this and that you know so I went into my 30s I ended up having two boys okay and uh, so basically, uh, it turned into a sport. Mm. You know, I uh, I ended up drinking a lot, mm. and you know, even when I was into my thirties, I I probably drank too much, and I definitely had some good binges. Uh, if you put me in at a wedding in front of an open bar, oh, it was on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Understand that. But uh, you know, it's it's the attitude, and 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 the part that I have learned throughout all this, the thinking, the alcoholic thinking was mm-hmm. tremendous for me. It was horrible. Yeah. And I didn't have to drink that much to be there. It was you know just uh, just having a sick feeling all the time. Um, think well into my 30s maybe is when I really found the other stuff Uh which was the opiates the the meth the blow and I tried all these things but it wasn't anything you know I mean I smoked crack as a teenager but it wasn't anything that I was ever addicted to or had to have Uh I just thought it was fun yeah you get real fucked up when you're smoking crack and you feel great, but yeah, I wasn't living on the streets and trying to yeah. beg for money to buy it. Uh, but I did get introduced to some opiates in my 30s, and that was a struggle for me. But I was able to muster the willpower to quit 
the opiates on my own. I kind of had a little bit of a withdrawal week, week yeah. or two afterwards. And, and, you know, I really didn't like it. I didn't understand what was happening. Well, you introduced to the pills? Or yeah, the yeah, I was okay. doing Roxy's and yeah. Perky's and yeah. Mortab's, whatever I could get my hands yeah. on. And, I, you know, there was a couple of days where I didn't have them in between here and there. And I was like, hey, man, I think I got the flu. I was sick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my buddy says to me, "You're not sick. You're dope, dope sick, dumbass." Yeah, and that really shook me. I was like, yeah. "What the hell is happening here?" Yeah. So anyway, you get to that point, and you wonder, "Why the hell do you need to take something that's gonna make you sick?" You know? Yeah. And then so you're I'll, just taking it not to feel sick. Yeah, and then you're yeah. taking it to feel normal. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Yeah. So I ended up taking. Uh, but a couple of weeks, and I literally just quit altogether. Yeah, yeah right. Like, right after I did that, I picked up smoking again, and I had been smoking for like 14 years. I had quit smoking cigarettes. And I think that's when my drinking really took off. And it was about a two-year period, maybe two and a half years, mm-hmm. before I came to the end. I was about 37. You know, my mother told me several times, you should go to an AA meeting. And I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, whatever. But, but she knew. She did Al-Anon. Okay. And I think she went through. Okay, we had a brief interruption. Welcome back. Keep going, Victor. You're talking about uh, Al-Anon? Yeah, I think my mother had gone through Al-Anon with my brother when he was a teenager. Um, And I think she needed it because she uh, pretty much survived a 25-year marriage with my father before they divorced. Um, Anyway, she had been through the steps. She understood the premise of this program. She knew what was happening. She knew me. Mm-hmm. She knew how my thinking was and she was just trying to be helpful and she knew that it would mm-hmm. help me. Anyway, she passed away in 2012. Yeah, i On December 2nd. And it's kind of abrupt. She had uh, cancer and she ended up having stage four lung cancer and it was about a month later, a month and a half later. Oh, wow. was it? Uh, sorry to hear that. So I was 37 years old, and I had been drinking pretty hard. And when she passed away, I started hitting the bottle hard. And uh, the holidays came along. And like everybody else, you know, society has this thing about drinking that if you get a DUI, it's okay. Pay for a lawyer. Get your license back. Go back to drinking. Just don't drive drunk. Yeah. Uh, if you black out every now and then, just don't drink enough to black out anymore. You'll be fine. Yeah. So I had these notions of society that I was okay. Yeah. yeah. Drinking's okay. It's legal. And all the times yeah. I blacked out and all the times I drank myself to that point, to an oblivion, woke up the next day not hung over but drunk. Yeah. Uh that it was okay, it was normal, it was just a little bit too much, you know, yeah. just dial it back a bit, you know? 
and that wasn't happening for me. So I think one night on December 31st, 2012, I, uh, I was on it. I was drinking all day because it was New Year's Eve. Yeah. And I drank some moonshine here and there. I used to like a lot of moonshine because you can take a sip or two of moonshine and nobody will really notice when you're in the basement. <laughs> and then go back upstairs and drink a couple of beers, but you really have a buzz, but you've only had a few beers. Yeah. So that was my thing, trying to hide it a little bit, trying yeah, to turbocharge my beer drinking. It's definitely an indicator. Well, on this day, December 31st, uh, I drank a lot. I don't think I remember anything past 11 p.m. or 10.30 p.m. on that night. Yeah. Uh, but I woke up on January 1st, 2013, mm-hmm. in my bedroom, in my underwear and T-shirt, and there were six... Cherokee County Sheriff's in my bedroom. Oh, geez. And in my house. There was about five of them in my bedroom with me. And I'm pretty sure they were... They were definitely there to see me. Uh, Which was strange. And they woke me up. And I'm like, what's happening? They're like, you don't know what happened? And I'm like, no, what's going on? I'm just having a nap here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There was nobody else in the house but me and them. That was kind of odd to me, and uh, apparently uh, I had brutally attacked my wife in a blackout and didn't even know that it it happened. And they had a clump of her hair. They were putting in something for evidence, and as I'm looking around, they're pointing stuff out that has happened. There's some drywall messed up there's scuffles here and there yeah. there's some blood on the floor and I, I can honestly tell you I had no clue yeah. Um, yeah. so they weren't very nice to me they hauled me off to jail in yeah. my underwear and my t-shirt yeah I'm sure you weren't being too nice to yourself uh, either. I wasn't being too nice to myself and I, at some point I wasn't being too nice to them either but yeah. that wasn't there so they actually were gracious enough to arrest me and uh you know at that point the only thing I was worried about was myself I didn't really understand what was happening I didn't really know what had took place I had an idea that they were arresting me for that you know I was like what the hell happened but at that point I was still worried about me yeah um so I got out into the little jail area and I told myself that I would never drink again. But I didn't know how I was going to do that. Uh, I had a notion that I would go back to drugs. And when I got out of jail, I started going to NA meetings. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to find an NA meeting around here. Strange, it's fucked up. Yeah, and I ended up at Nava Club going to an AA meeting. Mm -hmm. Some weird old drunk dude from complete abandon grabbed me up, (laughs) told me I was a drunk anyway. You know, so he said he was going to sponsor me, and I was like, okay, that's cool. (laughs) 
that lasted for about two and a half weeks and I was like this is not my cup of tea but luckily I stuck around Mm -hmm. yeah I stopped looking for NA meetings at that point Uh I went to an AA meeting over there in Dunwoody I think it was a men's meeting Mm -hmm. a fellow named Larry Scott oh yeah was sitting there he's a legend yeah and he Mm -hmm. gave me my white chip and he gave me a business card Mm -hmm. he said call me anytime if you need to and I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I never called him, but I kept going to different meetings and trying to check out what the hell was going on. Yeah. And, you know, I sat in here for 90 days, man. I went back and forth to meetings and meetings. I ended up ditching the complete abandoned group and leaving that guy after about two weeks and went to a place called the Fifth Tradition. I was going to meetings over yeah. there and... Uh, Peachford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Peachford yeah. Hospital. Yeah. And I went to that one, and uh, those guys kind of grabbed me up, mm-hmm. gave me a bunch of phone numbers, and said, Keep calling us. Yeah. Here's your sponsor. Yeah. And that worked for me, for them, you know? Yeah. I mean, people that are listening, uh, we could do a whole episode on complete abandon, and, oh, no. and, <laughs> you know? But yeah, it's not a good place. Um, it's more. I don't, don't want to say it's not a it's, good place. It, it's good for some people. They go and take people place. off the streets, yeah. and they're they good go. at rescuing the the the, yeah. the the very extreme low bottoms. It wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah, I, I you know I actually tried it myself for yeah. about two and a half weeks, and it's yeah, too much. Yeah, it's I had to go too. <laughs> um. So you know, I did my ninety and ninety. <laughs> I probably did one hundred and ten and ninety. You know, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. But I went to a lot of speaker meetings. And 90 meetings in 90 days. Yeah, there's something very, very magical about a speaker meeting to me because, one, in the mm. beginning, I needed to listen. Exactly, yeah. But when somebody gets up there and tells their story, and it comes from the deepest part mm. of their soul, mm. right through their heart, yeah. when they are telling these things, mm. it's... It's definitely a God thing. Mm-hmm. When people get up there, what they end up with, what mm-hmm. the results they get yeah. through their story. But for us as alcoholics sitting in the audience, what we can do is relate exactly. to their experience yeah. and, and latch on to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be... You know, a tradesman like me, who's a, a, in his middle age, you know, mm-hmm. it, it could be a eighty-year-old man. It could be a little old lady. Mm-hmm. I even heard some stories from like, uh, you know, early girls in their early twenties, and and you know when people are telling it, yeah, and you get that synergy between them with with how your story was and how you felt and how the things that you were doing wrong were very similar. It's pretty amazing. And then I really enjoyed that part of the program. I still do. I don't go to enough speaker meetings uh, anymore. But at that point, that really... Yeah, yeah pulled it in for me and I got to go to a few that were like network speakers on the circuit you know and these guys were awesome and you know then when you listen to somebody who's just here in the program doing it in their first year I think it's still amazing to me Mm -hmm. I I, I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt but when you hear what they're 
really trying to say if you can yeah it's great i you know i i still uh youtube speakers sometimes and um when i sponsor people it depends on you know what i tell them but um sometimes if somebody new i'll tell them to read some of the stories in the back of the book first yeah. and let's talk about that before yeah. i get them to the textbook version you yeah. know because yeah you you got to get to that point where somebody says well i can understand that because i did that you know, and it was kind of like, you know, when you go to a non-denominational church and you hear somebody's testimony, mm-hmm. they're talking about how they came to God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty special, man. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what, what people have to do before they see the light sometimes is you got to drag yourself through the bottom of the hole. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to walk through the gates of hell and then figure out mm. you need to turn right back around and get your ass out of there, you know? Mm-hmm. And then if you can find some way to this grace that this program gives people, or if you can go to a church and find it, I mean, whatever you need to do. Like, I didn't know I needed to do that. I went to Catholic school for 11 and a half years. I thought I was pretty cool with God. I thought we were yeah. down like, you know, two flat tires, man. And I didn't have a relationship with God. It was all up in here, man. It was all spinning around in my head. I was all, you know, selfish, self-centered, wanting to do the things I wanted to do, which was drink and get the hell away from myself. But. You know, so when I landed here in this program, I figured out, yes, I was alcoholic. Yes, I needed to find a solution for my problem, which was alcoholism. Uh, And then, you know, just being able to uh, study this book different people, different meetings, you know. I spent some time over here because I was out of the house for six months when I got arrested. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. couldn't go for six months. So I was living with my sister over here in Peachtree Corners. And so I did most of my early sobriety here in Northeast Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And when I went back to Woodstock, when I went back to Woodstock, I ended up going to a place called the How Place. Oh, yeah, 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 I've heard of it. And it doesn't matter where you go or who you're with. This mm-hmm. program works the same for everybody if you, if they are doing it right, you know? Yeah. So the experience, strength, and hope is everywhere where this book and that triangle with a circle around it is. Mm-hmm. It's there. You just got to go in there and tap into it and find it. It's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um. So I ended up back in Woodstock and and was doing meetings there, you know. And I've never been a freaking professor of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, a a savant of the book, but you know, the thinking patterns and the the prayers I use, the the tools I use now are definitely from this book yeah it's not you know verbatim I'm not perfect at it yeah but anytime I'm coming to meetings anytime I'm talking to another alcoholic like me and you anytime I'm talking to 
a sponsee or a sponsor, you know, these things are coming out. It's happening for me and it's getting better. Yeah. So. I was going to mention, um, you know, one of my questions, you just kind of touched on it a little was, um, I notice I see you twice a week at big book studies. Yeah. Where, where a meeting where we're going through the big book word by word. Yeah. And it's not a whole lot of sharing about me. It's about listening to what yeah. the book is about. So that helps you a lot. Can you tell me any more about that? I think so. I mean, you know, even the people who facilitate the meetings speak up and say, hey, we're not professors here. Yeah. We're still students of the book, but we tell it like we see it, yeah. like we felt it, and like we have heard it. Yeah. Um, but this is the type of book which a lot of people refer to it as a text that can be studied and it can be interpreted mm -hmm. by us and it can be, uh, you know, articulated in such a way where it changes as you go. Mm -hmm. So the more you study it, the more you dig into it, the more you take somebody through the steps, the better you get at it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And the better understanding you get. It's like a, a there's an infinite understanding of this book that will never quit because it has to do with so many big and great things. Yeah. Which is, you know, being a part of something greater than us, you know, and being a better person, being a useful stable member of society which none of us were I don't think beforehand so I think uh, to enter into the realm of a study group with the book you get to hear other people's perspective on it and it definitely opens up a lot that you don't see when you just go through and read it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, you know, I love the big book studies, and you know, when somebody's telling their story, because when I'm in them meetings, it's just it's not about me. Yeah, now it's about you know listening to somebody's perception, or it's about the the first hundred and sixty four pages that yep. tell us exactly what we need to do. Tell it's, us what was wrong too. Yeah, yeah, this is not. There's not like some uh, great secret to this program. Yeah, you know, you get a book for eleven dollars, yeah. and the first hundred and sixty-four pages are a textbook to tell you exactly what you need to do. Yeah, the I mean, the problem exists. The solution mm -hmm. is in here, yeah. and then the steps to it mm -hmm. are in yeah. there. And then the thing about it is, you don't. You don't get a degree from this book reading it. Yeah. You don't get. You don't graduate. Uh, uh, <laughs> but what you get is a daily reprieve mm -hmm. from alcoholism. Yeah. And that's what. Yeah. The people who need it, that's why they stay. That's why they do this deal because, it doesn't. Nothing else works. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, because like you said, uh, <coughs> when you get to that twelve step, and you start sponsoring others. When you take somebody else through the steps, that's almost like the first time for me. It was like the first time oh, I'm going through these. I really understood them after that. Yeah. After I had to take somebody else yeah. too. Well, anything yeah. you do in life, t 
teachers are always learning from their students. A teacher who's not learning from their student is not teaching. Yeah. They're just putting it out there. You know what I mean? That's, I don't know if there's any kind of old wives tale or, or fables or anything that says that, but you know, I'm sure, you know, anything in life you do where you have to teach somebody it, you have to process it in your brain. You have yeah. to articulate it and let it out and say, hey, this is how I did it. This is what what I learned when I was learning to do it. And then in doing so, you're also kind of fine-tuning and understanding everything to, you know, uh, I don't want to say exponential level, but you're always growing in your understanding yeah. of what, what material you're teaching somebody, whether it be the big book, whether it be gardening or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know it's, you know, it's to take somebody to a step. If I'm going to spend an hour talking to them about a step, it takes me at least two hours to prepare. Because oh, yeah. I got to talk to my sponsor for an hour about yeah. what about taking this step with somebody oh, you're else. much better than me. I just show up and start yapping. I mean, me, I, you know, I, I'm st- I still got so many defects. I'm crazy yeah. about being caught off guard. I've got to read all the material, Yeah. make sure I uh, think about what possible questions could come, you uh-huh. know. But maybe, you know, I'm still growing and yeah. I'm still a little crazy about this because I, it's a huge responsibility but it's like... Yeah, it's tremendous but, you know, uh, what, what did somebody say? I think somebody said that uh, somebody used to say uh, I got a hundred percent rating with my sponsees. Mm-hmm. I said, "How'd you get a hundred percent rating with your sponsees?" He said, "Well, I've never gotten drunk one time over a sponsee." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Yeah. But you know, we can't force anybody into this thing. Yeah. But as long as we make ourselves available, mm-hmm. and and like you said, you know, prepare and do what we can, mm-hmm. then I think that's yeah. our job now as as recovered yeah. alcoholics to share the message, right? Yeah. What yeah. was so freely given to us. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't say that I've ever gotten drunk over a sponsee, so I do have a 100% rating, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, not everybody is going to conform to this way of life yeah. not everybody's going to do what we do yeah but there's a lot of people out there who need to do what we do yeah and most of the people who are here to stay yeah. are the ones that uh-huh. had to do what we do yeah to yeah. keep going because you know what were the what are the three results other than <laughs> uh death jail or institutions right yeah yeah you know, so I think I would have been that crazy. Uh, I I've tried to do it every other way, and it hasn't yeah. worked for me personally. Yeah, you know, um, I know of people who have worked the steps and then just don't go to meetings anymore, and you know, they're sober or say they're sober. So you know, I guess it can work other ways. Yeah, I know it's that doesn't work that way for me. I need the responsibility and I need the help. Yeah, um, Tinsley, who I've interviewed on here, you know, he he used to always say. The first 11 steps will get you sober. The 12th step will keep, keep you sober. You sober. Yeah, yeah, that's you know. a fact. Yeah. So. That's definitely a fact. So, um, you know, I'm going to keep suiting up and showing up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I tell people a lot that I'm a recovering 
Falcons fan as well, <laughs> and uh, they don't have a program for that. Yeah, well. So I'm going to stick with AA. But, um, yeah. you know, I have to say, just going to different places and different, you know, book studies and meetings, it's, there's so much going on in this town. Mm-hmm. There's too much sobriety available in this yeah. town not to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, or spread it around a little bit, yeah. you know, and mix it up and go to different meetings. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I didn't tell the listeners. Um, I'm coming from the back room of Biscayne again. This this will be the third time we've done this oh, podcast yeah. in here. This very special room to me because, like, as I told you, I've done fifth steps in here and I've heard fifth mm-hmm. steps in here. So you know. Um, but there's so many resources that if somebody wants help, there's help everywhere. There is help. You know, and this is one of the places that will help you no matter what. Um, now, I did want to mention real quick, if obviously the people weren't doing the math, you've been sober for eight years. You picked up an yeah, eight-year check. eight years. Yeah, I mean, that that's extraordinary, really. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel as special as the first <laughs> two or three. Yeah. Uh, you know. But... Mm. I mean, you know, your belly button birthdays mm-hmm. every now and then you have yeah. a birthday that's just mm-hmm. blasé. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that it's been mm-hmm. blasé, but yeah. you know, it's just another day. Oh, it's yeah. a, every day's a gift, so mm-hmm. two thousand nine hundred and twenty two days was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It was eight years. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, you know, the only thing I know I have to do on that day, since it's New Year's Day and I'm a Southerner, is that I have to eat black-eyed peas and greens. <laughs> and okay. I don't have to drink. <laughs> okay. Okay. So every year I do that, yeah. which is good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, the thing about this program that is amazing to me, and I have a tremendous capacity for this that I don't recommend for everybody in recovery. I can go anywhere I want. Mm-hmm. I can go sit no, yeah. at any bar yeah. right in the middle and stare down a bottle of Jack Daniels mm-hmm. and order a water coffee or a ginger ale and sit there and drink it and smile. Yeah. And know yeah. that my enemy it's sitting right across from me yeah. and I'm not giving in yeah. and I can watch people drink mm-hmm. yeah. and I can watch people do what they do mm-hmm. and I am able to stay sober and do what I need to do yeah yeah. so as soon as you enter this program and you leave your first meeting you got to drive by three or four gas stations and two or four liquor stores on the way home yeah so, if you got the willpower not to pull in there, mm-hmm. you're doing good. Yeah. You just got to keep doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's been tremendous for me because I have been to weddings mm-hmm. sober. Yeah. I have been to events where people are drinking. Yeah. And, you know, I can get a fancy little crystal tumbler mm-hmm. with club soda and a lime. Yeah, yeah. And I can look cool. But I'm not drinking. Yeah. I just don't need to do it. Yeah, yeah. The book will tell us if our motives are right, we can go anywhere. Yeah. And I know that Mm -hmm. I 
can, uh, what am I trying to say? You know, I know that I can, I have the ability to do that. So I, I, I obviously don't recommend it for everybody. Yeah, but, especially not in the beginning. But yeah, I've been doing it from the beginning, so oh, yeah. I have been able to, you know, I think mm-hmm. I was like maybe 30 days, mm-hmm. 35, 40 mm-hmm. days sober. I actually ran into a liquor store mm-hmm. and I bought a V8 mm-hmm. in the little mixer's cooler. Yeah. And I bought it and I had the smell of glass and cardboard and mm. liquor you know how a liquor yeah. store smells when you go in there yeah it's just different yeah yeah just the smell of a liquor store mm. and i drank the v8 outside in the parking lot mm. and i smoked a cigarette and i thought to myself okay that was it that's all i needed to do yeah yeah but that's how i operate i yeah. have to put myself on the front line of something mm. and overcome it you yeah. know what i mean yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's lots of... You take a buddy with you to certain parties and this and that. Um, but you made me think about, like, I had... Uh, many years ago, I had... I was interning to be a CAC. I worked at a place. But I also had to work during the week in a warehouse. And every week, I would cash my check at a liquor store. Hell yeah. Because it was just easy to cash my check there and buy a carton of cigarettes. <laughs> like three <laughs> You know, but, but the thought didn't, you know, you know... Yeah. It didn't enter my mind, oh, well, this is a liquor store, I shouldn't be in here. You know? Um, just cash and check. Yeah, my motives were right, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's tremendous. That's something that we have to deal with in, yeah. in life and society because there's so much going on out there that involves yeah. it, you know, a ball game, yeah. Yeah. Uh, parties, whatever, you know? People yeah, are going to be drinking. It's just what's happening. And then when people confront you, you just let them know. Yeah, if we quit, the world doesn't quit because yeah. we're only 10% of the population. The other yeah. 90% can still drink. You know, are able to, yeah. According to the stats, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing. You can't walk around judging people and yeah. telling everybody <laughs> who needs to go where. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's another one of them... Uh, Slippery slopes. I yeah. struggle with it sometimes. Like, That's a, well, yeah, we all think it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just don't yeah, have to yeah. say it. <laughs> oh, I mean, they tell you not to judge. I judge all the time. I judge whether or not I want to be around somebody, how oh, close yeah. I want them to be in my boundary circle. You know? Uh, but, yeah. Uh, we've, been, we've, we've talked about a lot of things, and I'm sorry. I wanted to get a little sad for a minute. No, that's okay. Um, because... Because we, we both had a mutual friend, and he was supposed to be on this podcast, and then he unexpectedly oh, died. Man. Uh, yeah. You got any uh, any thoughts about Chris W.? Chris W., I knew in my first three months, I think it was my first month or two, I think he was sitting in the meeting where I got a sponsor in my first two or three weeks of sobriety. Um. Don't think I called him often at that point, but you know, every time I saw this dude at a meeting, he remembered my name. Yeah. And he came up to me and he said, "Victor, how the hell are you doing?" <laughs> and he'd give me a hug. Yeah, yeah. And I will never forget that about him. And you know, I left this part of town and went back to Woodstock for oh geez, about four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he. Remembered me after four years later when I came back. Mm-hmm. And when I got back over here, I was kind of slipping in and out of the 
back row of the Clarkson group, yeah. you know, I wasn't planning on going back out or anything. I just wasn't, you know, you get to a point in sobriety sometimes when you're just not doing that much. You go to a meeting once a week or once yeah. every two weeks or yeah, once or twice a month and, you know, you you get to feeling squirrely and you know you need a meeting, so you go to one. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't, I had one foot in the door of AA. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was planning on going back out, but Chris grabbed me up and said, hey, I'm starting a meeting and I want you to go and help me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God. The design you know, for living? Yeah, the whole thing yeah. where somebody comes to you and asks you to do something and you're like, oh, God, no. You have to say yes. And then you're like, uh, <laughs> so I said, well, where is it? Because that's important. Location is everything to me. When people ask me to do side work or anything, I'm like, well, where is it? Yeah. So he says, it's an Embry Hills Methodist. And I'm like, oh, fuck. He goes, what? Why is it so bad? And I said, well, I live in Embry Hills <laughs> on Embry Circle. Oh. So he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I go and help him start the meeting. And I don't want to say Chris word. saved me but he probably did but he recharged my interest in recovery and doing things and was always asking me to do stuff and calling me and I thank him for that and I'm forever grateful because now we're keeping the meeting going that he started and he was just one of those people who had a fervor a a zest a never ending energy for this program yeah he did whatever he could to help people and I know he helped a tremendous amount of people over the years yeah and he had a great story he had a great he had a great knowledge of the book yeah he could quote it verbatim and he went through life Serving God, serving this program, and trying to be... He's one of those people who's a direct example of being of maximum service to God and fellow man, which is what it says in that book, and it's not easy task to do. And he he definitely completed it, I think. Yeah. He died sober, and I know he's in a much better place, and I know he's watching over us. He's happy about, hopefully happy about what we're doing to... Yeah. Try to carry on his legacy and carry on the message as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's just such a great guy. He uh he knew exactly where he was going. He had no doubt about that. Um I remember uh people would ask me, you know, when we come to either tonight or or the Monday night meeting, you know, about about the meeting and and about Chris and I'd say um oh he's animated. Yeah. He's, uh... <laughs> He had such you passion. Say that. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't explain him. He had so much passion and complete sincerity and and honesty. Yeah. Well, he was speaking from the heart, man, yeah. which yeah. is what we do, yeah. and it's what we listen to. Yeah, it's yeah. what people hear out there and listen to. Yeah. When you're telling the truth. Yeah. You're speaking from the heart, the depths of your soul, telling your your experience mm-hmm. and giving hope. Uh, and yeah, he was banging on the table, hooting and hollering, 
him hauling around, joking around, and he was a great dude, man. I was really missing. Yeah, and I know tremendously. We were talking the other night, and I know you you've helped out, kind of helping out some of his old sponsees that that don't have him anymore. Yeah, well, we had a little family grow up in between that design for living meeting over there, so it's not a huge meeting or anything, but there was enough of us to keep it going just barely and uh everybody got pretty tight you know just being around chris and doing this deal man was yeah good for all of us and then you know you think at some point oh is everybody gonna fall off now that chris is gone he was kind of the glue keeping everybody together yeah but no we kind of stuck it out we kind of stayed together people showed up yeah it's a great meeting it's it's good and now you've got his sponsor as one of the the uh, discussion leaders, right? Oh yeah, Gary. Yeah. Gary's great. Gary's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like I already knew him just from hearing Chris yeah. talk about him. He's cool, man. Yeah. He's and then dude. of course Jackie who's tonight. Yeah, he goes Gary goes through the history. He talks about all these old dudes way uh, back in the day when they were coming into this Yeah. When they were coming into the knowledge of writing this book. Yeah. And, you know, getting yeah. to the point where yeah, they figured out what needed to happen to stay sober. Yeah, that's a great book study. He really, I always learn something about. He he knows the what happened behind the writing of everything oh, yeah. and can And um, anybody that wants to look it up, it's Design for Living, All Recovery, uh, um, meeting. You can find it on Facebook, and there's a Zoom portion. Yeah, there's a Zoom number for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, I also just wanted to ask you, I ask everybody this, you know, what are your views on what COVID's done to the world and to meetings and to, you know? Oh, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody planned on wearing a mask everywhere they go, but yeah. that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, you know, back in March when the freaking world shut down, you know, I guess we should be thankful to our government for helping us, but <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I never got to the point where I was going hungry or anything like that. And both of my kids are, <coughs> excuse me, young adults, so they came home, and it was kind of nice to have them at home. But I think that whatever's happening, mm-hmm. it's going to be here for a minute yeah I don't but, think it's gonna go away hopefully the vaccine does what it's supposed to do yeah but uh you know I don't I've read a lot of things and blah 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 but as a plumber I have not let me knock on some wood yeah. I've not experienced any of these symptoms uh-huh. I don't know if I have a stronger <laughs> immune system than everybody else from being a plumber yeah but uh I think that uh, for 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 whatever it is, it's brought people back in their homes. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have connected, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have been. I've been worried yeah. for a lot of people because you know. Yeah. I don't know if you think about you know the people who are in abusive homes. Yeah, yeah. And with people who are drunk and abusive or people who are having trouble with drinking. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
put them in isolation in their house. What the hell is going to happen? Yeah. So I think now is the time where people need to be reaching out more and more. You know, but that's the thing about AA. We don't have commercials. Yeah. We don't reach out to anybody, but we're here. Yeah. Everybody knows that we do. Everybody knows that we're doing. We're getting sober. We're staying sober. Yeah. If they want what we have, they can come get it. And they can. We're not taking it to anybody, but. But they can go on Zoom, too, and you can look up AAs, you know. Now you can do that stuff from your house. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. That was cool, man. There was people at our Design for Living meeting from Canada. Yeah. New Zealand, California. Yeah. Uh. You know, it was pretty tremendous, man. It was cool. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, despite all that, I mean, I think it's just, you know, the way of the world. I yeah. mean, things yeah. are happening. Yeah. Whatever, you know, they've been dealing with the SARS stuff, the bird flu for years. Mm-hmm. And it never got over here for some reason. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who let the cat out of the bag or whatever, but uh, it's a little late for that, you know. So. Yeah, you know, everybody's got their um, their risk factors, and go home to uh, older people or or young children, and uh, you know, I've interviewed a couple people over the phone on this podcast yeah. for that reason, you know. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's crazy, but one great thing is this podcast came out of COVID for me. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so that's the way I, you know, perception. Yeah. That's the way I look yeah. at it. You know, but uh, yeah, I, I do feel there's a lot of people not getting help that, you know, could have just been taken to a meeting. Yeah. You know, and now. I don't know, but I think things are getting better. People are learning how to do it now. People yeah. are learning how to get to meetings and. Mm everybody's back in the rooms not as much as we were yeah, but yeah, people yeah. are back in the rooms the yeah. clubhouses are having meetings yeah. yeah and that's good so you know you got the yeah. Biscayne room Nava Clarkson group I'm Triangle. sure the Howe Place never stopped having meetings up yeah. there in Woodstock yeah. Triangle Club 8111 yeah. you know there's so many meetings and what is there 10,000 meetings a week in this yeah. Town, yeah, yeah inside the perimeter yeah it's amazing yeah it's um yeah, it's just a different world now, and you know what? Yeah, we'll see. I've seen um, a lot of treatment centers, you know, patients are denying or refusing to go in person. I guess it's just a slippery slope, and, yeah, you know, we just hope for the best. Um, you got any questions about the podcast or anything? Or I, No, it's cool. I mean, I guess uh, you just put it on Spotify or something. Yeah, you can check it's on Spotify and Anchor. It's uh, Broken Wings by Timothy B. Okay. Um, you know, I don't make any money from this. I mean, we've we've had a little over, I've had a little over 300 listeners, so it's not like, you know, yeah. you need to have a 1,000 an episode to even get offered a oh, dollar. Really? Yeah. Wow. But, you know, I did this just to save my ass, you know, to keep oh, me yeah. involved. It's like, I, you know, I don't care if two people listen to it. That's enough to give them reason to keep doing it, you yeah. know? Um, yep. It helps me get to interview somebody known better, like, you know, yeah. even you. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not a veteran of podcasting and all this oh, yeah. fancy you know. new stuff they have on the oh, yeah. oh. internet and YouTube and all that stuff. I'm kind of old school, man. Yeah, I just, I would listen to Joe Rogan and for some reason it popped in my head. Let's see what, let's try this out. And see how it goes. That's <laughs> yeah. not bad at all, man. Yeah. You should keep doing it, man. I yeah. think it's a... Uh, 
it's cool, man. Yeah, we're I trying. Mean, You're episode number 12. Okay. And, you know, I really appreciate you being on here because, yeah, you know, when, when you said you were open to it, I was like, wow, I got to get him. I got to get Victor on because you're so active in the rooms. You're always here. Yeah. I know you're the real deal, you know? Yeah, well, you know, I put, I put in what work I feel like I need to. I always feel like I could do more. Oh, yeah. We all feel like that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I got to do what I got to do to stay sober, too. So Okay. If I got to come study this book twice a week or go be a discussion leader at a meeting or something when somebody asks I'm I'm usually game for it you know my, yeah my wife gets a little irritated every now and then but you know <laughs> whose wife doesn't hey, yeah but yeah you know at some point she does understand mm-hmm. and and give me the benefit of the doubt you know because I'm still sober for eight years yeah that's it's amazing you know you you walk the walk and, and you're living proof that this works if you work it, does. it. You have any Indeed. final advice for anybody? Uh, I would have to say, uh, you know, if you need it, come get it. Yeah. We're here. I mean, you know, most people get to a point where they understand that their life is unhealthy. Uh-huh. Not all of us understand that it's from drinking or drugs. Yeah. And not all of us think or understand that it's actually mm-hmm. a sickness within us yeah but you know it's a it's a thinking problem a drinking problem and mm-hmm. it's something that can be corrected with a lot of work yeah and trust me <laughs> I'm still working on it <laughs> yeah 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 no I no, I feel like everybody could use a program not really about the alcohol it's just oh, about yeah. if yeah. everybody could do the 12 steps that would be awesome but, yeah you know, it's, it's what you put into it yeah is what you get out of it yeah. sometimes but you know we'll see you know some people mm-hmm. would probably take it to the extreme mm-hmm. oh yeah some people probably would do it half-assed which is happening every day <laughs> yeah. yeah wow well thank you so much victor yeah, i love man. you man yeah and, i love you too man i appreciate uh, you asking me yeah thanks so much for being on broken wings all right and man. thank you to everybody for listening and uh we'll see you next time <laughs>